Welcome into Jets Nation Radio, episode 17 there, folks. I'm your host, Angus Hout. Unfortunately, no YouTube this week. We don't know what happened. We are going to try a new streaming thing. It didn't work out, but away she goes. Um, we got Darnell on the line. How are you doing, buddy? Man, uh, great to be back. I know it's been a, a little bit since uh, I've been here, but uh, happy new year. Happy to be back, and uh, life is good. Life is grand. All this snow, I'm not so sure about, but other than that, life is grand. Yeah, getting up to 20 centimeters tonight here in western Man- or east. Yeah, western Manitoba, and I heard southern Manitoba is just going to get beat up even more than us, so sounds like a fantastic winter day. Well, it, I, although, like, we're getting it kind of easy, though, because I think, like, I saw photos and, like, videos of Ottawa and Toronto today, like... They got almost, like, get- two feet. Yeah, just disgusting. Yeah, not what I want to see, but uh, I'll take the 20 centimeters. I like that. Oh, I love it. I don't, not a big fan, but uh, you know, I can appreciate your love for it. You're a good old Canadian boy. Oh, absolutely. Born and raised on the prairies and uh, can't stop. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you haven't been with us since uh, the new year. Uh, what have you been up to? And uh, do you have any New Year's resolutions? Um, yeah. You know, I don't like resolutions because I think it's just a, you know, a way to fail. If you know, if you don't, if you don't get them done at the end of the day, I think you know it's good to have goals. But I have goals, sure. Uh, you know, improve mental health and whatnot. But as far as a New Year's resolution, I don't like to set them. I always did, and then I always failed, and then you get you know pissed off at yourself. So I don't like to set myself up to fail. But other than that, just you know, a good break over the holiday and back at the back at the rink. Our first couple of games of the season uh, this past weekend got postponed because COVID issues. So. That's unfortunate, but uh, looking forward to getting back into the swing of things with three games here and just moving forward. Yeah, love to hear it. And uh, yeah, so I mean, I've got a couple resolutions and uh, more or less for this podcast. I know we've been talking quite a bit. Uh, We're looking to get a thousand subscribers uh, between all of the podcast platforms and uh, YouTube. So if you guys want to help us out and uh, reach that resolution, that would be phenomenal. There's no reason why people wouldn't want to tune in Jets Nation with me, like you and I. I mean, I, I don't see a reason why you wouldn't want to. I, I don't know why either, but uh, yeah. So yeah, if you want to shoot us like a subscription or uh, give us a five star on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, that would be phenomenal. Help us out a whole lot. And tell your friends about us. So, yeah. I, I, I'm pumping it all over my social media. And that's one thing I, I need to certainly get better at is uh, social media. But I'm certainly pumping it, you know, telling all my friends that, hey, this is the podcast you want to listen to. And, uh, you know, certainly big things going forward. But Oh, you know, just big things are coming. I, mean, I can guarantee you that. And I, I think it's safe to say, I guess, that we appreciate the support from everybody. Oh, absolutely. We love each and every one of you that tune in. You guys are just lovely human beings. <laughs> lovely human beings. Oh, they all like are. You. All six like of our that. listeners. <laughs> Duties, perfections, uh, but we're, we're big things. So, and yeah, I think as a listener, as a viewer, you want to, you would want to be the one that was there from the start. Because when you see the end product, you're gonna be like, "Whoa, boys hit it out of the park." Yeah, we we've had a couple of hiccups here and there, but uh, you know, we're getting through it. It's a new podcast. It takes a lot of time. Man, hiccups are gonna happen. Yep, just like we're not on YouTube tonight. That's a hiccup. <laughs> okay. well, we'll battle through. That's 
that's what we do. That, exactly. Battle through just like the Jets are doing right now. Man, those guys. Been looking good since uh, Paul Maurice uh, stepped down, eh? Yeah, I think, I think you know, we talked a lot about Paul Maurice and, uh, you know, for, for quite a while, I didn't think he was the right coach. But I did, you know, gain some respect for Maurice uh, when he said, you know what, I just, I'm not getting the respect in the room. I'm, I'm not as passionate about the game. I think COVID had, you know, a pretty big effect on him with everything going on. So I, I have a more respect, certainly for Paul Maurice, that he said, you know what, this team needs a new leader. And I think Dave Lowry has done a wonderful job with this team. Of course, coached the Brandon Wheat Kings uh, a couple of years ago, now in his second year with the Winnipeg Jets, assistant coach and now in turn head coach. And I think he's going to have a, you know, a case to become, you know, the full-time head coach coming in next year because I think he's, you know, building a pretty good foundation. He's passionate. He knows what he's talking about. He's coached at, you know, all the highest levels in the world. So, and he's also a great man. I've had the chance to chat with him. He's simple. Uh, he just goes about his business and gets what needs to be done, done. So I really like uh, Lowry has done with this Jets team. I think it's a heartwarming story. Of course, coaching his son as well. Uh, that's a pretty special feeling. I uh, chatted with Dave in the past about that. So overall, just a, a real nice feel-good story for Dave Lowry, and I'm happy that he's, you know, churning out the success and winning some games with this team after, you know, some tough, uh, a tough stretch with Paul Maurice under the helmet this year. Well, yeah, you ignore that first loss uh, against the Washington Capitals, and other than that, the Jets are pretty much four and one under Lowry. Uh, just the one major loss against the Colorado Avalanche uh, was that last Thursday, two Thursday, two Thursdays ago now. Yeah, and it seems that pretty much you know everybody is getting hammered by the Colorado Avalanche. Like the Avalanche are so good offensively when they get things going, they are, are so extremely to stop their first line. I think they had something like twelve points in that seven-one win against the Jets. But overall, uh, you know, you have to give Dave Lowry perhaps. An A, an A rating for sure in his short tenure with the team, and I think I think he did benefit under the leadership of Paul Maurice. You know, I'm not saying Paul Maurice is a poor coach. He's he he probably is one of the better coaches out there. He's been in this game for so long. He just didn't have that you know the respect in the dressing room for players, and he did he, he didn't have the support from the team that he needed to. But I, I fully do believe Maurice you know helped Dave Lowry an immense immensely, and Dave has said that before. So. I think they worked pretty well together, although the results weren't coming. But I think a good foundation was set up, and now Dave is just, you know, sort of continuing to go. Put some of his own, you know, tactics into the game, of course, now running the show. So I'm happy that he's able to, you know, turn out success. Success. He deserves to be in the NHL, and in my opinion, deserves to be, you know, a full-time head coach in the very near future. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Dave. Uh, I've got very, very few negative things to say about Dave Lowry. And honestly, like looking back at Paul Maurice's career, although he's got some of the most losses, yeah, the most he's the most losingest coach. Uh, if you look at those teams that he's had in Winnipeg, some crappy teams. So he did what he could, and eventually just lost the room. Eight years is a long time to be sitting under someone, but. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a month ago, it feels like. Now we've seen, what, seven games since <laughs> Paul Maurice has stepped down thanks to COVID? Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's and it's something probably in two months we're going to be, like, if, if the Jets continue with this success, we're going to be talking about, we're still going to be talking about Paul Maurice, you know? How did the Jets turn it around with the departure of Maurice and, you know, not the arrival of Lowry because he was already there, but 
how did things turn around? What what did this team change so dramatically to you know have extended success on a consistent basis? So I think we're, we're certainly not done talking about Paul Maurice. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back in some sort of stature in the NHL. I think he's pretty happy to take a little bit of a breather right now. My words for his departure was he was tired. Like he he's exhausted mentally. I think physically as well with with all the travel, but I just don't think he, he's in the right headspace right now to be a coach in the NHL. But I, I wouldn't be shocked, you know, in the near future that he becomes, you know, he gets in a better headspace and that sorts of thing. But I'm glad, I'm happy he's taking a break and you know, let Dave Lowry lead this team and see what he can do with them. Yeah, well, it's been interesting having an assistant head coach step up. I know the Oilers they're looking at potentially moving on from uh, Dave Tippett. I know we talk a lot of Oilers here. Uh, because we are fans of that team as well. But do you think moving uh, an assistant coach up is the right choice for most NHL teams at this point? Yeah, I I really do. I mean, you know, an assistant coach is so important these days. Like, you'd even look, you know, watching Jets games, Lowry and Maurice were always talking. Maurice or Lowry was taking, you know, over most of the timeouts he was drawing up plays. So I think assistant coaches these days play such a pivotal role. I mean... They're, to get an assistant coach job in the NHL, you're a high-caliber coach. You have a ton of knowledge, and it's not an easy gig to get. So for the most part, I think it's a pretty seamless transition from moving to an assistant coach into a head coach because I think at, you know, at times being an assistant, you're put under the fire. You're put under, you know, you don't have to answer the questions that the head coach has to, but you're doing a lot of the work making things easier at the end of the day on uh, on the assistant coach or on the head coaches rather so yeah I think I think it's a good thing for you know assistant coaches to go to be head coaches and I don't think that's going to be changing anytime soon yeah and uh, with Dave Lahr he's been giving more chances to his young guns I know Dylan Sandberg and Declan Chisholm is that how you say his name yeah uh, they they got their first game in under their belts uh, last week against Detroit and I don't think we would have seen as much time for either of them had Maurice been there. So, uh, did you get a chance to watch that game against Detroit uh, on Thursday night? Yeah, and I think it was it was an impressive game overall for the team. A three nothing win, obviously. Connor Hellebuck, uh, thirty three saves. But I really did like the play of Sandberg and Chisholm. I mean, starting with Sandberg, eighteen minutes uh, had his first ever NHL point when uh, Andrew Kopp scored on a beauty below the goal line, which was kind of surprising that I found the back of the net but and the play in his defensive zone was I think the most impressive of the of his time on the ice 88.9% of the time his shifts started in the defensive zone so that means Dave Lowry has you know he he understood that Sandberg could get it done in the defensive zone it's tough to get into a starting position and you know have to consistently rely on your defense as a forward you know, starting your own defensive zone. So that's tough. But I think this was also a good opponent for, you know, those two gentlemen in Sandberg and Chisholm to get into Detroit, although they're, you know, having a better season this year, 17 and 18 uh, after a loss. But this is a team that is getting better, but they're not a long team. So, you know, as a defender, you're not pressed as much, you know, if you're going up against the Washington Capitals or uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins or the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I think it was a good game. For these two teams to bust in, uh, Declan Chisholm almost played 14 minutes, and uh, you know this is a guy who has offensive capabilities. 
He has six goals and 18 assists this year with the Manitoba Moose. And last year, he had two goals and 11 helpers in 28 games. So his offensive production has moved up from last year into this year. I think he's going to be a player. Not sure if they're going to get a lot of time moving forward, especially when uh, when these guys do get healthy. But I think overall, they did you know they did a pretty nice job. And I think if you're Dave Lowry, you're pretty pleased with did you just read my article from JetsNation.ca from last week and just like word word for word? No, I didn't. <laughs> were, were we on the same path? Oh, we're right on the same path, buddy. Um, I wrote about it. Uh, it came out yesterday on JetsNation.ca, um, basically saying like that uh, Samberg needs to be an, a full time NHLer. I know it's like a single game uh, sample size, but. From what we could see, and again, like Detroit's a good team to get your your feet wet in the NHL, and uh, just more or less, just saying like Sandberg deserves to be in the NHL, and I think that um, Ballu and Ballu can get traded or waived. I don't really care, and I I would honestly put uh, Logan Stanley out on um, on the taxi squad or have him sit up for a couple of games just. Just to get some uh, perspective again, because Sandberg played really well, and I think he deserves some time out there. Well, I mean, he also had you know three uh, three block shots, and he had five hits in the game. So he played a pretty physical brand of hockey. He put his you know body on the line, and I think that's what Dave Lowry wanted to see. He wants to see you know young guys get in there, put their body on the lines, do whatever it takes to help the team win. I, I think, and, and Declan Chisholm, he also had a chance to play with Nate Schmidt who's a veteran in this league and helped them a lot, you know, paved his way. I've been, you know, reading articles, looking at interviews over the past couple of days. And uh, Chisholm was just elated on how great of a leader Nate Schmidt and how he helped him in that game. So I think Sandberg is certainly, in my opinion, a step ahead of Chisholm. If you have to pick one, you're picking Sandberg at this point. But I think both, you know, had some real nice performances. And I think, you know, to play nearly 14 minutes, in your first and then almost 18 minutes for Sandberg in your first obviously Dave Lowry was enjoying what he was seeing from the two young bucks and I expect uh, you know certainly some bright futures moving ahead there's no doubt about that well absolutely and especially with that first really good look like if the Jets are looking to make up a package for the trade deadline which is coming up when is that that's the end of March yeah yeah so when that comes up like you've got some pieces that you could potentially move that won't necessarily bite you in the butt right away, but they could bite you in the butt later on. But if the Jets want to make a legitimate push for both the uh, playoffs and potentially a Stanley Cup push, like you kind of got to think Chisholm is uh, one of the guys that you would put into a package. Oh, for sure, 100%. He's a young guy, and as mentioned, he, he, he's a player that is making an impact in the American Hockey League. And, you know, for so many years, the American Hockey League was a league where you would go to finish off your so you know you had the average age was much higher than as fast it wasn't as quick the pace wasn't as great there wasn't as much skill it was more of a you know a gritty game hard in the corners that sorts of thing but now it has completely changed it's real fast it's all the guys who are trying to pave their way there's of course some guys at the end of their careers there's no doubt about that but there's a lot of players who are trying to make their way up to the American Hockey League, or to the National Hockey League, rather. I think of Connor Dewar, of the, uh, he's a former Parkland Ranger All-Star, played with the Everett Silver Tips, the Iowa Wild. He had a chance to play in the National Hockey League. It's just guys like that 
a lot of Western League, a lot of major junior players who are young in the you know, 19 to tw- or 20 to 22 range who are trying to make their way up to the National Hockey League and they're fighting for every single inch they get there. A lot of speed, the pace is great. More skill, I think, now uh, than what it used to be back in the day when I used to watch, uh, you know, Moose games consistently maybe 10 to 12 years ago. So, which I do miss doing. I love going to a good Moose game. But I think the American Hockey League is a really good, you know, league now. And just to show that Chisholm is certainly trending in the right direction as far as chipping in from the back end solid. So he's a real nice piece if you want to add to a package and try and get something. Because the Jets, at the end of the day, they do need a couple pieces if they want to, you know, have any longevity as far as postseason success, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. Um, a, when we get ourselves up to 10 listeners, we're going to have to get a viewing party over at a Moose game one of these days. Oh, 100%. I'm all in. Like, I haven't been to a... I can't even remember the last time I was at a Moose game. Like, maybe six, eight years ago. But I was there in their Calder Cup run when they had uh, Schneider as their goaltender, Corey Schneider. I, I've seen Kevin Bieksa play with the Moose. That was how long ago I've actually been to a game. But if you want to watch some pretty good hockey for literally like a sixth of the price of a Jets game, I mean, you know, you got some rising stars and it's super inexpensive. Like you can get probably four tickets for a Moose game and, you know, a few popcorns and a few drinks for the same price as two tickets for a Jets game. So in my in my mind, it's really no-brainer. And you're getting to see guys like, you know, in the past, Declan or Declan Chisholm and De- you know Dylan Sandberg, who just made their NHL debut. So yeah, it's a high elite brand of hockey. Yeah, exactly. Well, Carl Perfetti was there too, and he was just lighting it up as well. So. Yeah, Moose games are phenomenal. I know, like, I've only been to one Moose game, and the only reason I remember the date that it was there for was the Humboldt accident. So I, I got I got trashed that game, woke up the next morning and just saw all the tragedy, but I was like, oh, that sucks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Moose games are so much fun, and yeah, I can't wait till things open up again, and maybe we got a weekend where we can head down to the city and enjoy them. Um, I'm all into that. Yeah, but... When you- Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask you the next question, but uh, what were you going to say there? I was just going to say when you talked about Cole Perfetti, I remember we had the, the preview show ahead of the World Juniors, and I said I thought Perfetti was going to perhaps be the MVP of the tournament. And the guy at the start of the World Juniors was incredible. He's having a he went racing with the Moose, now with the, the Jets. But he, he really did look like an adult playing like a bunch of kids at the Juniors. I know the competition wasn't as strong uh, early in the tournament, it never really is. Although Czech Republic was a, a pretty good team with some skill, though. Uh, but Austria, not so much. But Cole Perfetti was just, he, he was so good in that tournament. And I think he was destined to, honestly, I know Connor Bergard, but he wasn't going to keep up with that pace, likely as a 16-year-old. But Perfetti was, he looked like uh, looked like a man of young, a man against boys there. Oh, absolutely. Well, the one thing I would, if I'm remembering everything correctly about the World Juniors, I almost thought that Fetty looked better than he does uh, just de- simply due to Owen Power. Oh, Owen Power, he's a he's a special product, a real special player. You, you saw that in, in game number one. He's so smart defensively, and he's also smart offensively. He knows when to make the perfect pinches. He knows that that breakout pass is something that he has almost perfected at the college level. So it's going to be interesting to see when he, you know, makes the jump up to the NHL if he can perfect that pass. But 
this is a, a real, real special talent and oh, yeah. to be a top three player. Yeah, well, yeah, Perfetti and Power on the same team in the NHL, that would spell out so much danger. So kind of happy that we, well, kind of sad, but happy we'd never have to see that because I have a feeling we'd most likely see Power and Perfetti on another team that's not the Winnipeg Jets if we're going to see that combo in the NHL. I just want, I want to, I, I honestly truly want to see the Buffalo Sabres turn things around. Like, I hate when one organization year after year after year is just garbage. Well, and, you know, struggles so heavily. It, it's just, it, it truly is unfortunate. Well, and like, that's a, that's a rough thing about Buffalo is they, within like a single season, went from being one of the best teams in the NHL to, well, the Buffalo Sabres of now for the last 12 years. And even, you know, even in recent years, they'll go on like, you know, eight to 10 game heaters and then they'll lose 18 of their next 20 games. So it's just an organization that has zero consistency. And I'd really love for things to turn around. And I think Owen Power is going to be a a big piece of that turnaround. I'm surprised actually didn't play there this year. But at the same time, I'm kind of not surprised because he's playing on a real, real good Division I hockey club opposed to, you know, playing on an NHL team that is near the bottom of the league. Yeah. Well, <laughs> someone's got to be at the bottom. It just sucks that's got to be Buffalo for the last 12 years. Um, so we were talking about trades going on uh, with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, I sent you a link to Daily Faceoff. Uh, Frank Saravalli wrote... Um, about the top tw- uh, top twenty players that are most likely to be traded by the deadline. Um, from that list, or is there anyone in general that you would like to see the Jets bring in? Um, or do you want me to start first on this one? Yeah, yeah, you go first. Okay. Oh, yeah, go first. All right. Um, so I got three guys from that list. Um, the first guy, Ben Sherratt. I've talked about him before. Uh, coming back as a Jet, I think just be a great idea. He brings in another level of grittiness. Um, Montreal isn't doing a whole hell of a lot right now, so Ben Schrott feels like a good move. Uh, Nick Letty, he's going to cost a little bit more uh, financially, but I think Nick Letty, uh, he's gone to the Stanley Cup Finals twice. He's played in like six conference finals. Like The guy has a pedigree of going there and knows what it's like to play in the big dance. So Nick Letty's higher on my list than uh, Ben Chirot. And Calvin DeHaan of uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. He also kind of someone I would be interested in. I think he'd bring in the right offense for the uh, Winnipeg Jets. All three of them are defenders. Yeah, and I think I think on my end, my top guy there, um, I know he, he doesn't come at a, at, at a cheap price by any means, but uh, a solid forward for the Vegas Golden Knights. I would, I would like to see Riley Smith. I think he would add some, um, certainly some uh, offensive talent to this team that at times have, you know, had struggles to put the puck in the back of the net. I would love to see uh, Riley Smith. I don't think, I, I, I like Jake DeBrusque. You know, he comes in at, you know, 3.65 million, which isn't too bad in my opinion. I want to stay away from the defenders, uh, but if I had to pick up a defender, a guy who Arizona has been, you know, a lot of talk is he's going to be dealt sooner rather than later. And Jacob Chikrin, just 20 years old, or 23 years old rather, three more seasons at uh, 4.6. So he doesn't come in cheap, but he's coming off an 18-goal campaign as a defenseman uh, in a shortened season, which makes it that much more impressive. So, you know, if you can get a guy who can get the job done defensively and then 
you know, help up Connor Hellebuck, um, but also put up 18 goals in a shortened season. That's pretty impressive. Now, I don't know what they're going to have to give up to get Chickering because, you know, he's a young talent, just 23 years of age, and they're probably going to want a package because even as of last year, the Coyotes said he was a no-touch. Yeah. No one was going to get him. So, uh, Tyler Uremchuk of DailyFaceoff.com uh, and Oilers Nation, uh, he was saying that the talk is is a top prospect and two first-round picks. Is that worth it yeah, for Chikrin? No. Like, that's a I lot get... to pay for a guy that has the potential to be elite. Like, we've only seen one really good season out of Chikrin. Yeah, and I think, I think also... He's also, we also have to keep in mind who he's with and, you know, who he has this season, who, you know, who he had that season with. Like, to put up 18 points with uh, the Coyotes, or 18 goals, rather, with the Coyotes in a, a shortened season is is super impressive. But a, a top prospect and two first-rounders, that seems like a real hefty price for a player who you, you can't even confirm or guarantee he's going to be elite. I mean, he has all the strides to become an elite player, but... You want to give up that much? That that is a lot. Although you know, there's a pretty. It is a pretty decent prospect pool for the Jets. So I mean, they have a lot of top end elite prospects. Maybe giving up one wouldn't be the worst idea. Those draft picks, I'm not crazy about giving up that many draft picks. But I, at the same time, I don't think it would be a bad deal to you know try and get Chikrin on your back end. You you have someone to help out. Connor Hellebuck, um, you know, when when injuries happen, he's, he's going to be, you know, get playing a lot of minutes, even when the Jets are healthy, so he can help out Hellebuck and he can score offensively. It could be a win-win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I just want to go back. You said that you wouldn't want really want to pick up defensemen. How come uh, you want to want more offense for the Jets right now? Because it seems like their top nine is just just thriving right now. I, I, I Yeah, I think their top nine is okay, but I think if you want to space things out a little bit more, <clears throat> sorry, and, and bring in a guy like Riley Smith, and I, I also think the Jets have to be, I believe they have to bring in a player with some experience in the postseason, which is Riley Smith has that playoff experience now, being with the Jet or being with Golden Knights in his first year. I think they have to bring in a player with some experience to lead this team in the postseason and take them deeper because really if, if you get that experience I believe it's invaluable even if you're not going to get a guy who's going to play on your top line maybe even if you get a second or sprinkle in a, a, thir- a solid solid third liner and you know space, space out the lines a bit more but if you get that playoff experience that could be invaluable in trying to you know have some longevity and some success at the end of the day because that's that's what we that's what the Jets organization needs they're a team that you know, is consistently for the most part making the postseason, but once they're getting there, they're not doing anything. And I think having some, you know, veteran experience could take them to the next step. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will throw this name at you because uh, the guys at Canucks Army uh, wrote about it today. Um, JT Miller potentially on the uh, trade block. See, does he tickle your fancy at all? Sorry, say that game again. JT game again. Miller. JT Miller. Yeah, for sure. I, I I'm I'm a I really do like JT Miller. Um, he's a guy who who can get it done offensively. He's a leader by example. I've heard he, he's a tremendous leader. So I think that would be a real real nice pick. No, he's not the offensive talent he was in the past.
past, but I mean, he still has 12 goals this year and 26 assists, and that's extra impressive because the Vancouver Canucks were struggling so heavily at the start of the season. Now with Bruce Boudreaux, all of a sudden, they're becoming unreal. I mean, just a few years ago, this guy had 22 goals and 43 points, and this year already, he has 12 goals. So at the same token, I say he's, you know, maybe on the decline offensively, but statistically-wise, he, he's just in the same spot and even maybe, you know, reaching for a career high. So I think JT Miller would be a real nice piece for this Jets team. I, I think at the end of the day, if you, if you can add a player like that, uh, depending on what you have to give up, you certainly, you, you know, you have to push for it. Okay, so hypothetically, because, like, I, the Canucks are on that, like, verge of, like, they really could push for a playoff spot or they could just let things grow naturally. But would you trade someone like uh, Paul Stastny and the first rounder for JT Miller? That's just something off the top of my head. I'm not a big keen in giving away Stastny just because, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's such a great leader on, you know, especially off the ice. So I'm not keen, and giving up a first rounder for JT Miller, that's that's tough as well. I mean, you have to, you know, there's pros and cons of each situation. Offensively, you know, JT Miller is going to get the job done more. But, you know, if you give a first rounder, perhaps, in my opinion, I think that's a little bit too much. I, I wouldn't mind Stasty and maybe a second rounder for JT Miller. Um, I, I really do believe Miller would add a lot to this team, more offensively for sure, in, in my opinion than Paul Stastny. I don't like a first-rounder, but I wouldn't mind Stastny in a second-rounder for him. Right on. That's actually a pretty good trade. <laughs> if only we could make it happen. Right, I know. All right. Sadly, we uh, So last week, uh, Gord Miller put out a tweet. Uh, the, the tweet says, One thing I'd like to see change within the NHL is the cap salary. Maybe an exemption of some, of some sort. 25% uh, for players who were drafted by a team and have been with the team for at least five years. Uh and that have re-signed. Um, teams shouldn't be punished for drafting and developing well. Uh, do you agree with that, or do you disagree? Do you think the cap needs to change, or are you content with the whatever it is at 90, I think it's 89 million right now. I'm, what, I, what I would like to see, and I know you sort of mentioned this, but I would love a cap per game. Yeah. I, I think that would be real unique, and I think that would, uh, I think that would just make things that much more interesting. I would love that you know, cap per game, and I, you know, it, it's tough, you know, you draft players and you want to develop them, and you're you're in a situation where you, you don't have the money to spend, so yes, you know, you take some pride in trying to draft players, and, you know, draft them and develop them, but understanding that you're going to have some real tough, you know, tough years in the making, but I think if you go cap per game, teams are going to have to change how they go about things you can't you know perhaps have because what a, what would a cap per game i mean you're doing connor mcdavid and you're putting me on dry toronto maple leafs Tavares, marner and matthews that's going to be real tough and then you know you go down your lineup if you want other elite players how are you going to be able to get them all on the ice so i think it'd be pretty unique i think it would even things out more across the league i'm not going to say fully even out and i don't know you know teams at the bottom of the league if it's going to be as enticing but perhaps you see more elite guys go to you know bottom feeder teams to be able to get in the lineup on a consistent basis not the first line guys they're not going to go anywhere but i'm talking about you know good second liners and good third liners that can play on second liners on other teams because let's face it a lot of teams have third liners that are better than their second lines and perhaps 
team in their first liner. So I think it might even even things up a little bit if you go cap per game, but that's just, you know, that's my thought. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, the the cap per game, that's something that's really me uh I had seen some somebody had suggested it's not my idea. I'd love to take credit for it, but I cannot. Um but um yeah, like you look at somebody like Andrew Kopp, that guy could definitely be a second liner on just about any other team. Um, when he's up and down in the lineup from being in the top on the top line down to the third line, it's like, oh, Andrew Kopp needs to be on a in a team where he's consistently probably on the second line. Unfortunately, the Jets are just kind of one of those weird teams where he can move up and down the lineup, and you gotta love him for it. But he could thrive. Okay. Yeah, like that, I think the bottom 12 of the NHL right now are are brutal. I talked about it a little bit last week where basically I was saying like the NHL has a disparity issue. Um, you know, look at look at the Central Division right now. You got Colorado just kicking everyone's ass and then Chicago and Arizona at the very bottom. And it's like, uh, I don't want to watch those teams. But if they had like a little bit of firepower, sure, then throw on an Arizona game on a Wednesday night when the Jets aren't playing. Yeah, but exactly. And if you have the players, you know, if that player, if that team has the players that is going to draw you in, and in turn, that's going to make that team that much more money. But yeah, like you mentioned, who's drawn in right now to an Arizona game? Like nobody. Like my my friend just went to Arizona for Christmas. Uh, Chad Macy actually it's just for the Kings and he could have went to an Arizona game for like 20 bucks he's like why why would I want to go watch a Coyotes game so like you have people that are going to Arizona just saying Arizona uh, you know as one of the pieces but you get tickets for 20 bucks to watch an NHL game but why there's just it it doesn't draw you into the game and I, I would love if the NHL would you know I I would love for the NHL to cut down on five or six teams. I know I've said this before. It's never going to happen. I understand that. But if you cut the NHL by five or six teams and you reshuffle, that's going to make the league that much more competitive because getting elite players from those six teams, because let's face it, there's good players on horrible teams, and you're adding them just to make a more diverse league as far as competitiveness, I think it would make the league so much better. The it's going the other way. It's only going to grow. It's not going to, you know, decline. But it, there's no reason to be drawn to watch like 12 teams in the NHL right now. Like Arizona is getting like 3,000 fans a game. Yeah, it's pretty embarrassing for the league. Um, and well, even if you look at, uh, is it the Metro or the Atlantic? It's one of the uh, Eastern Conference ones. But they've pretty much got everything locked up playoff wise. It's just a matter of who falls where. Like Boston is, Boston's got the last playoff spot in uh, the East. Eastern Conference right now, they don't have to worry about uh, Buffalo or Detroit coming into 
win games. Like they've Buff, uh, Boston has games in hand, and they've got like six points on Detroit right now. So it's yeah, there's too much disparity within the NHL right now. I, I understand like there's some pristine issues here that the NHL doesn't want to let go of, but it's not going well for them. And it's just, I think it's just it's hurting the product overall. For sure, and I mean it's just it's not it's at, at the end of the day it's not exciting because the most exciting thing in hockey is a playoff race and like Detroit as you mentioned is five points behind Boston right now. Detroit's not going to catch Boston. I mean they're five points behind them, but the Bruins also have five games in hand. Then you have the Sabers are seventeen points behind the uh, Bruins with three games in hand. So playoff race there, there's not going to be a playoff race then. You head over to the uh, Metro Division. You have the Rangers, Hurricanes, Capitals, Penguins. The Penguins have 49 points. The next closest team is the Blue Jackets with 35. That's 14 points. No way in the world is there going to be a playoff race there. So really, you're just seeing teams jockey for for position, which at the end of the day, it's okay, but it's not exciting, and it doesn't draw me in. I mean, even in the Western Conference, top four right now, you have Colorado, the Preds, Blues in the wild in the central. The Jets are eight points behind at 17 and 12. And then, you know, it's a lot closer to the Pacific Division with the Oilers and Flames being just four points behind the San Jose Sharks. Of course, you add in some, you know, wild card playoff positions. So you're going to see a, a little bit of drama down the stretch there. But well, and there's the, just not. Oh, sorry. I was going to say the Jets also are, uh, they've got like five games in hand over uh, the Predators right now. Like the Jets could easily catch up to the rest. So they're, they're not that far out with the, like the Dallas Stars, uh, Chicago, and Arizona. Three teams are already out of it. There's just, there's, yeah, the, the parity the parody just isn't there. And, you know, you're at the end, you're going to see one or two teams fighting for a playoff spot, but that's just, that's not this, it, it, it should be, you know, three, four, five. I even bring it back to the MGHL in the West Division right now. Uh, the top of the standings, I know, you know, Manitoba Junior Hockey League and the NHL are completely different. I'm not saying that, but you go in the West. The Kings have 47. Weiwei is 46. And then you go down. There's a 13 points difference between second and third. Swan Valley has 33. Verdon has 32. Nipua has 32. And the OCN Blizzard have 28. So you have four teams within five points of each other, and they're battling for two playoff spots. That is what I call parity. That is what I call excitement for the fans. That's why the MGHL is in a good place right now, in my opinion. The NHL, I just, I don't see it. I, I don't have the same buzz because, you know, playoff races for me are the most exciting time in hockey. And, you know, it's nice that they're going to have you know, maybe one, one, two teams battling. But, you know, in a 32-team league, you would think you would have more teams battling for playoff spots opposed to being out of the playoff race, you know, in January. Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. And, like, I know the NBA is running with 32 teams as, as well right now. They kind of have that same issue, but it's they can bring fans in every pretty much every stadium you go to. I don't follow much of the NBA, so you might be able to correct me on this one, but it looks like the NBA fills most stadiums most nights. Yeah, they do, for sure. Uh, the entertainment value in the NBA is great. There's a lot of poor teams with some really, really good players, which also draws you in. I mean, the... the the, uh, for instance, the Minnesota Timberwolves, who right now are in a playoff spot, but they've been so poor for a long time. They have Carl Anthony Towns, one of the best big men in the world. The Oklahoma City Thunder have a couple of Canadians in Lou Dort, Guy Gilgis, Alexander. They're 14 and 28. 
but they draw fans to the stands because they have some of the top players in the league. And you go over to the Eastern Conference, the Atlanta Hawks are 18 and 25, but they have Trey Young, and even Indiana has Demontis Sabonis, who's one of the better big mans in the league. They're 15 and 29. So the NBA does also a real good job of branding their league. I think uh, Adam Silver does a really nice job, whereas Gary Bettman, in my opinion, is, is an abomination and is doing a horrible job. And I, I think I, I echo what a lot of people are thinking. So the NBA is certainly a step ahead, I think, of uh, of the NHL. And I think the NHL has a long way to they're trying to grow the game overseas. But the problem is it's almost like they're not trying to grow the game here. Yeah, absolutely. Like Connor McDavid's face, like even Kyle Connor. Let's talk about Kyle Connor because he's, he's actually, he was just named uh, to the all-star team. Um, but like, if you get out of Winnipeg, who the hell knows who Kyle Connor is? Like, like that's a legitimate question. Who knows who Kyle Connor is? I love Kyle Connor, but you get out of the province of Manitoba. We don't know who Kyle Connor is. Same thing with Mark Shifley, Hellebuck. You can list down even Paul Stastny. He's got some recognition, but there's not enough there. So it's just like the NHL isn't doing enough. They should be plastering these faces all over the United States and Canada and just being like, hey, Look, we have these professional athletes that are phenomenal. Well, hundred percent. I mean, and that's just where the NBA or where the NHL is falling short. As you mentioned, Kyle Connor. You you leave Manitoba, who's Kyle Connor? The NHL has to brand those players that much more, do a better job. Whereas the NBA, you know, a lot of these top players in their home markets are heroes. But outside of the home market, if you compare it to the NHL, where you know you don't know these players, the NBA know all the top players from pretty much. If you're a basketball fan, if, if you're not a fan, then you won't know, and it won't matter to you that much because you're not a fan of the sport. But if you're a hockey fan, Manitoba, you still know who Kyle Connor is. But if you're a basketball fan, you're gonna know. Although he's on a team that is 14 games under 500, you're gonna know Shy Gilgis Alexander. Is Canada here? as a top elite basketball player, the NHL has to do a better job of doing this. I understand that Kyle Connor is an American, but the NHL, in my opinion, is falling short in so many so many ways, and I, I just don't see them progressing forward, which is quite surprising to me, but I really don't. Yeah. Oh, I like, I'm, I'm so happy that the NHL has grown their markets, but yeah, no, they're just, they're lacking on selling the superstars. And like, again, like I said, I'm not a basketball fan. I rarely turn on the NBA if I, unless I really have to, but I can, like, if I were to sit down and write down 15 names, I'm sure I could rip off 15 NBA all-stars. But again, you talk to an average American who kind of knows hockey. They're going to tell me McDavid and uh, Austin Matthews. That might be it. Maybe Adam Fox. And that's, that's, that really is, that really is a shame. I mean, that just goes to show right there that so many people, they don't, they don't know the talent and that's not, that's not their fault. No, no. It's the NHL not branding it. Yeah. Well, and how many times have you seen, uh, uh, like tweets of people saying like, I didn't know hockey was that exciting or somebody, a person of color being like, white people are hiding hockey from us. It's hilarious to see that. But at the same time, it's like, oh that sucks yeah so like I'm, I, I appreciate the NHL trying to grow outside of North America and over the pond but <laughs> they're not doing a good job no and they, they, they gotta start with doing a better job of 
where they actually play, the markets they play in. Yeah. They have a pretty golden opportunity, but it just seems that all this money, I'm not sure where all the money is going that they make, but it's, it certainly is not going to growing this game. And that's only going to hurt. Well, let's talk about uh, one way that they did try to grow the game. Uh, Kodak Black went to the Panthers game last week. And the Panthers' uh, social media grew by 2,000 followers. So maybe, maybe I had suggested this a while ago, but why not just bring celebrities in? Just say, like, not to the typical markets like L.A. or, uh, well, uh, California in general. But, like, let's just start bringing or, uh, celebrities into games. Get them to sit behind the bench and maybe meet some of the players. Get them to just talk to it, to other people. Well, 100%. And anytime you're going to bring celebrities in, I was actually uh, watching a video today on uh, on Facebook, and The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, was in a vehicle, and he just drove over to, like, a bus, and he said, hey, do you know where The Rock is? And then everyone just went absolutely nuts. That's what's going to happen if The Rock goes to an NHL game. He's sitting in the front row. Fans are going to go nuts. You can market that. And all of a sudden, these mental social medias are just going to go crazy because, hey, they see, you know, it, it just the Edmonton Oilers, they bring in some celebrities and fans see that. Like, hey, that's awesome. The Oilers are doing a pretty good job. They're trying to bring celebrities in. That's pretty unique. That's pretty fun. We're going to tune into this team. And, and in that way, it's going to grow because – you don't have to be a hockey fan, but if you're a fan of that celebrity, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, for instance, you don't like hockey, but you like The Rock, but then you keep following and all of a sudden, you're a you fan. Hockey. Yeah, well, and like the and thing that, with like Canadian teams is what we're what, like, Oilers and the Flames are notorious for this. They've stars that are from that area. So the Oilers, they brought in Brett Kissel and uh, the Flames have George Canyon singing the anthems. Uh, the Jets have brought in Patrick and Don Amaro to like sing anthems, but it's like no one's going to the games to go see George Canyon perform O Canada. So it's like they need to do a better job. They need to get legitimate celebrities. And yeah, it's great. George Canyon wants to sing the national anthem, but it's gotta be something better here. You gotta go you gotta go bigger, you gotta think outside of the box. You have to go better. And at the end of the day, I'm a firm believer in this. You have to spend money to make money. And, you know, these owners, they have money. and I, But I, I just think at the end of the day, there's some greed where they don't necessarily want to spend money without making, you know, an immediate impact and seeing an immediate return. And perhaps you won't see that immediate return. But as we were just talking, you know, you put the rock at a hockey game and someone, you know, never watched a hockey game before, but they saw the rock was at the Edmonton Oilers game. Now, all of a sudden, they're staying tuned with their Twitter page, their Facebook page. They watch a couple of games and then they realize, hey, I like this sport. That's one person that hated it before now loves it. And all you had to do was bring a celebrity in. Yeah, it's well, so, so easy. It is. And like get them to do an interview with uh, Sarah Oleski uh, during the intermission. Just get their honest opinion on what they thought of the game. Because like, you know, like Winnipeg does a lot of movies and, you know, we could have had Liam Neeson or I can't even remember the other guy that was here recently um, but even Norm Macdonald he was always wearing Jets gear so why why are you not bringing Norm Macdonald R.I.P. a legend in comedy but why are you not bringing that guy up to Winnipeg to watch a game maybe in the spring but at least bring him in so such, it, it's such a it's such an easy concept and yes I understand you know there's going to be 
financial obligations to this and it's going to cost but at the end of the day I think the pros outweigh the cons these NHL teams they have money and I think there's a, a pretty great way to market this yeah that these teams are falling short in. and I, honestly it's going to change I mean unless they're listening to our show and they're like hey these guys <laughs> are real smart which I hope they are because well we like to think we're pretty darn smart but I don't think the NHL is going to change anytime soon I hope it does as far as, you know, being more marketable, being more, uh, you know, fan community engagement. I think that's where it's lacking. I think that's what's pretty cool about junior teams. You have these kids going out to, you know, going out to elementary schools and that sorts of thing, being the local hero. You don't see that in the NHL. You don't, you know, you just don't. No, well, it's like you get guys that go and go to the children's hospital, but that's, that's, co- that's a contract obligation. And yeah, it's like, that's not, that's, you know, you know, like there's guys like George LaRock who would go to the children's hospital. PK Subban, he was always good to go to the children's hospital. But, you know, how many guys are we talking about that are doing that on their own terms rather than as a team event? Yeah, so, but what about on a, you know, a Thursday morning go up to, you know, one of the local schools, all of a sudden all the parents are going crazy. Every single student in that school is going crazy. You have more followers. If it's in the hometown, you probably, you know, little kids are going to want to go watch, you know, theoretically, uh, Connor McDavid in action. Everybody wants to watch Connor McDavid, but even a player that's more down the lineup, he goes to a school, these kids are going to want to go support, they're going to want to go see, hey, that guy was at my school yesterday, I want to go see him play hockey, Dad. Yeah. Dad buys a couple of tickets, he makes more money, just like that, it's so simple. Super simple. And like um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, when he played for the Red Deer Rebels, he came to my school. I was in grade. Oh, crap. I can't even remember. But either way, it was cool. And then like he got drafted by the Oilers. I was like, hey, that guy showed up. Still one of my favorite Oilers. But either way, that's, yeah, there's a lot of ways that the NHL could do better and they're not doing well enough. Um, Skip over the hypothetical question of the week because we're running uh, pretty long on this one, Um, which isn't a bad thing. Oh, we, we've had a great conversation. Um, all right, so over the next week, uh, before we talk next, the Jets are going to face the Capitals tomorrow, the Nashville Predators on Thursday, the Bruins on Saturday, and the Pittsburgh Penguins on Sunday at noon. Uh, what's the acceptable record for the Jets going into this? What a daunting schedule, by the way. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm yeah, like like I'm I'm really pushing for them to get five out of seven points over the next week. Uh, I think that's the only way. Like I know that we still have over half a season left of hockey, but if they want to make an impact and they want to look like they're legit contenders, it's got to happen with five out of seven points here. It, it's always tougher to get points late in the season than it is. It, it's. It's tough to get points now after the Christmas as, you know, and as the season dwindles down. But it's especially tough when teams are, you know, fully ramping themselves up into playoff mode. So if you want to get some valuable points against some top-end teams, you need to get those ones 
right now, and this is a golden opportunity for the Jets. We'll see if they can rise to the challenge. I think it's going to go one of, of two ways. They either rise to the challenge or they, you know, they swing and they miss. I think this team does rise to the challenge. I really do. I'm a, I'm a firm believer in that. So I think in the next week you're going to see some pretty solid hockey from, uh, you know, the Winnipeg Jets. And hopefully, as you mentioned, they can pick up, you know, all but two points on this trip. That would be, uh, that would be fantastic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and move into our final segment of the week, hot and cold performers. Who, what do you got for us there this week there, Darnell? Well, I have to start with, uh, uh, you know, we talked a lot about the Arizona, the Arizona Coyotes. My hot performer, not even from this week, just over the last little bit, has to be Carol Vamelka, the goaltender for the Arizona Coyotes. A goaltender who I think is one of the more underrated netminders in the league. And why I say that, you look at some of his performances as of late. He had a shutout against the Jets. He made 46 saves against the Jets in their next meeting. They lost that game. He went 45 for 46 against Toronto on January 12th last week, and they won that game. This Vamelka guy is a very solid goaltender. It's just tough. You know, you look at his goals against average and his save percentage. He's seeing at least 35 shots a game on average. Many games he's seeing up into the 40s. And Arizona doesn't score any goals, so he's getting absolutely no support. So he needs to make he needs to make 45 saves in a game for this team to win hockey games, which he has done. He did that against the Jets. He did that against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So the Melka is my hot performer. I love it. Um, I do want to mention something. He doesn't have a photo on the NHL's website just yet. Which is what? Right? Guy's been in the NHL for six years now. Or he got drafted six years ago. And yeah, still no uh, photo on the NHL's website. He's like, he's one of my favorite players right now. Oh man, he's insane. (sighs) And you got a cold performer for us? Am I going right in the cold, Kay? My cold performer, I want to hear, I I have my cold performer and I want to rip into him a little bit. But I want to hear your hot first. Oh, my hot performer? Um, oh. I did have one written down at one point. Maybe I, did I save it? Give me a half sec here. I promise I do have a hot performer of the week. La la la. Okay, well, uh, apparently I have misplaced it, and that's very strange. Um, My hot performer of the week, you know what? I'm just going to give it to me for actually, like, going through with my New Year's resolution. I said I'd read 12 books this year and start working out three times a week. Crushed one book. I'm halfway through a second book. And I have done all of my workouts, so go me. <laughs> impressive, man. I'm impressed. Yeah. Oh, we're we're like we're gonna have hot summer, hot Angus summer coming up this summer. I, I'm feeling it. There you go. Love it. Yeah. Um. Let's hear your cold performer of the week, though. Okay, cold performer of the week, Dak Prescott <laughs> of the Dallas Cowboys. What a mockery! Twenty-three seventeen loss yesterday against the San Francisco 49ers in the wild card round. He decided when they were, you know, inside the 30 of the 49ers, they needed a touchdown and the convert to win the game 24-23. With less than 10 seconds left, he decides to do a quarterback sneak. They have no timeouts left. And then he runs into the referee knowing or knowing that he has to touch the ball before Prescott can. And then after the game, you saw the Cowboy fans, they were throwing stuff at the refs. And what Prescott, Prescott says 
basically said good on the fans. What an absolute joke, Dak Prescott. First of all, why are you running a QB sneak with no timeouts left, with 10 seconds left, staying in bounds? Horrendous. Second of all, know the rules. You know the ref has to touch the ball before you do. The game was over. Third of all, unbelievable that you would say good on the fans for throwing things at the refs. I understand at times referees are frustrating. They make the wrong calls. I understand that. It is tough being a ref. There's no doubt about that. They don't deserve to get stuff thrown at them. That's absolutely ridiculous. But for Prescott to basically condone that just goes to show that uh, what kind of clown this guy is. So certainly is my cold performer of the week. I'm happy the Cowboys didn't get the job done, especially with Prescott. Uh, I have no respect for him, so I'm glad the Cowboys are out, and he is my full performer. Did you win money all that game? No. I Well, I did, actually. Yeah, I did go to the 49ers. Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, that was, that was even better. So I was cheering I was cheering against them before the game even started, but just I think that's a, a lot of tomfoolery foolishness. Uh, not in a good way. I know my buddy out, uh, buddy out east there. He calls uh, fool, foolish. He called me foolish once, and I was like, "Oh, okay." But apparently, that's like unreal. Like that's a good thing out east. But the way I'm calling foolish for Dak Prescott is not a good thing. Not a fan. I think he made a game there with his antics there, and I'm happy the Cowboys aren't advancing. All right. Well, my cold performer of the week is any NHL GM that had kicked tires on. Evander Kane like <laughs> why why Evander Kane like the guy's got so many issues going on and good on the San Jose Sharks for finally getting rid of that train wreck but I can't believe that between 15 and 20 GMs in the NHL were like yeah we'll take a look at Evander Kane and like Jets fans know how much of a joke he is and I can't believe that people are willing to give him a 8th 9th 10 chance at this point so it's just like any NHL GM worth their weight is just stupid for looking at Evander Kane. I get you want to win, but bringing that much baggage and that cancer into a locker room, that's a joke. Well, and uh, unfortunately one of those teams that's interested is the Edmonton Oilers. And Ken Holland said, yeah, I'm all for giving this Evander Kane a second chance. In a generation, is this his second chance? This is like his second chance the last six months. This guy's had a dozen chances. Why Why is he getting another one? I, he's got so much skill, but at the end of the day, uh, a true disgrace to the game, Abs- honestly. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, just the fact that they would consider bringing him back to the NHL this season, I just I shake my head at it. And I, I honestly, if Evander Kane suits up in the orange and blue uh, – I haven't been watching many Oilers games much uh, much this season, but they will not. They'll lose a fan in me, one hundred percent. Well, that's just another. That's just another way of showing that the NHL is missing big time here, and just swinging and missing and breaking your knee while swinging. That actually happened to me when I was in grade nine. I swung so hard, I actually tore my ACL. It was super painful. That's what the NHL is doing right now. If they allow Evander came back in, it is certainly purely a money thing because. As much as we hate him, Evander Kane will draw money because the saga will be Evander Kane wherever he ends up. People are going to watch the games, which generates money, which Gary Bettman is all about. He's awful. Yeah. But Evander Kane, he can't be in the league this year. 
this guy, he's just a, a bad human being. Yep, that's all we can really say about it. And some people still think that the that just the on-ice product is more important than the actual human being that is on the ice. So, yeah, pretty, pretty sad move. I'm not impressed, but I'm, again, not shocked about it either. So, away she goes. I guess that's why I'm not an NHL GM just yet. <laughs> Who knows? Gonna make we're gonna make Jets Nation awesome, and we're gonna go far with this. That's the plan. So if you've been listening, please give us a like and follow. Give us five stars on uh, whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on, and uh, yeah, I would just really appreciate it. Leave us comments on YouTube when we get back there again. We'll figure that out. I don't know what happened with that this time around, but uh, yeah. Anything else from you, Darnell? No, I appreciate you having me on the show. Uh, looking forward to some good Jets action this week. Some football coming up. The Bills against the Chiefs next week. Uh, looking forward to getting up in the broadcast booth with uh, you being the best border operator around. So looking forward to some big and better things. And, of course, follow us. As Angus said, follow us. we got some big things coming up, and uh, you don't want to miss them. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, I'm not sure when merch is coming, but I know it is coming sooner rather than later, folks. Be patient with that. Uh, otherwise, go to jetsnation.ca, check out all the articles. Myself and Thomas are writing quite a bit. If I can convince Darnell, maybe we'll get him to write one day too. <laughs> you never know. Never know. Either way, have yourself a fantastic day there, folks, and uh, be safe and be well, and enjoy all of the snow that we're getting here in Manitoba.